Welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show, your headquarters for interesting and stimulating conversation with people who have been there, done that, and bought the t-shirt. And good morning. It's a Friday morning, and this is the Boomer and the Babe Show. And we're looking forward to our guest today because he is actually somebody that has definitely been there, done that, and bought the T-shirt. I'm Pete Peters. And I'm Deborah Brown. And we're going to be getting to our guest in just a minute. Uh, we've got a lot of things to cover with him. We're going to talk about uh, all of his involvements here in the in the community locally. And uh, he works with autistic kids. He's got a new program called Golf in Public Schools. We're talking about the country club that he owns, which is Sun City Country Club, and uh, even the fact that he's an iron butt motorcycle rider, and he's ridden all over the the country with that. So we're going to just, first of all, say, Tom, welcome to the Boomer the Babe Show, and we're going to turn this over to Deborah for the beginning of the interview. Good morning, Tom Legring. How are you today? Good morning, Deborah. Very (laughs) very, very well. He didn't even... Yeah, good. He didn't even say your last name. So, Mr. Tom Legering, I want to welcome you to the show as well. And what I like to do is have you give what I call your two-minute movie. That is your life, all of it, laser beam style, in two minutes. And you can go back as far as you like, coming all the way up to today. So go ahead. Give us your two-minute movie, please. Okay. I was born in Minnesota, and after three years there, I... uh got my parents to take me to Southern California because it was just too darn cold back there. Uh, and my main thing about, I, I was in the Army, I was in the Ar- ASA, Army Intelligence Corps, and which is an oxymoron, but uh, <laughs> I was with National Security Agency for uh, three years, two years actually. Um, and I got out and started Working with my business, uh, I was uh, in real estate, I'm a general contractor. I managed 5,000 residential units in California. Um, I've been an advisor and a promoter of real estate investment trust, and uh, I've managed over 3,500 housing units for the state of California on a five-year contract. Uh, started IRA Management Company, which grew to over... $650 million under management in three years, and then I sold it. Uh, I was involved with the escrow company and effective funding in California. First all-Internet building in Los Angeles. Uh, we raised income over 50% in one year. And then I retired, moved. Well, I've been retired seven times in my life, and I found out I'm a failure at that, so... I've decided to just keep doing what I like to do. I'm not actually the owner of Sin City Country Club. My family owns it, and uh, I've been managing it for uh, seven and a half years. And uh, right now I do. Uh, I work half-time. I work 80 hours a week. I put 40 hours into my four businesses, and I put 40 hours into uh, uh, volunteer work. I'm on the... Peoria Chamber of Commerce Board. I'm on Peoria Education Foundation. I work at Eve's Place, and I'm working to promote my book, uh, Success or Failure, The Choice is Yours. So I figure 80 hours a week is half time. There's 168 hours. That gives me four hours to watch TV or do whatever I want, and 80 hours to do what's what's necessary in life, which is getting some sleep or whatever, but I try to keep that to around six or seven hours, not over seven. And there's just a lot to do, and that's kind of, I don't know if I'm over my two minutes, but that's about it. Well, you've exhausted me, so I think your two minutes is up. (laughs) (laughs) I think your two minutes is up because I can't take any more. No, I know that you are a, um, a, a true business person and busy and in a good way all the time. Now, when you say you've retired seven times, um, that is all successful retirements, I have a sense. And that's why the book, Success or Failure, The Choice of Yours, is such a good investment for people to make in themselves because you know what you're talking about, about success or failure. Yes, I've, I've had my failures. It's not Life is not always, you don't get any happiness at 
you don't have something to measure it against, which is uh, sadness. And uh, I've had my share of both, and I, I prefer the happiness. But I learned the definition of success is getting the goals that you want. Happiness is wanting the goals that you get. And if people just would work on that kind of an equation, it makes life so much simpler. And it's not just a struggle for money all the time. You want to get your money working for you so that you can go out and do volunteer work and try to be a asset in your community. Well, I know that one of the things that you do as a volunteer is something that is um I would say, you know, um, a blessing to not just you, but to the people that you go and volunteer with, and that is you you help people at Eve's Place um, who are women coming out of domestic violence situations and trying to improve their lot in life, you know, new start. Um, so how do you how do you help in that situation? What do you what do you do there? I know you can't talk about where the place is because it's secret. But um, tell us about that for a while. Well, the the main thing that I I do is I I work with my book. I I allow them to to either I either give them the book or I allow them to make copies of pages or parts of it that will benefit them immediately. But I start out by teaching them ten two letter words. If it is to be, it's up to me. And I make them write it and say it two times a day and start changing their lives like that. My goal is to see what advantages and see what advantages they have, what strengths and weaknesses they have and get them to emphasize their strengths, get them away from their predator uh and say I I I'm very frank and blunt with them. Um I, I say the shelter says that you're not you're just a victim, it's not your fault. But I said, if it happens to you again, whose fault is it? And I don't answer it. But they they get the message. Don't let the predator back in your life. And so what has happened when I went there, which was about three years ago, about about uh ten percent of the people were getting jobs when they left and you have to remember that this is a spectrum of the entire country. It's 20, it affects 25% of every human being in the United States. So it, it's across all spectrums, economic, racial, anything you want to describe, but uh, education, backgrounds, all of it. And only 10% were going to jobs afterwards, and now it's over 75%. Just people figuring out that they have to put their life together um, I'm also a SCORE certified mentor, and uh, if they want to do, if they can't get a job, I kind of help them figure out ways to uh, create a business and how to get partners to help them with their weaknesses. If you got your strengths and you identify those, and they're not merchant that you can't sell them in the marketplace now, then you figure out some other way to do it so that they actually become independent people. Well, I know that the um, if it's to be, it's up to me is a personal responsibility construct, if you will. I mean, it's it's like the the easiest way to talk about personal responsibility is to say if it is to be, it's up to me. Um, but they're balancing that against a personal safety and fear component. <laughs> you oh, know, absolutely. So, absolutely, right? and and a lot of them have have their 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 kids and they have all that other stuff but they have to break the, the chain of the predator that's that's with them and and just so you know i mean it's i i i handle about uh 15 percent of the people that i talk to are men so it's not just one doesn't go just one way and i asked a gentleman that was over 220 pounds and six feet two said how how come you got beat up and he says you got to sleep sometime so the mm. point is that, you know, it, it goes both ways, and it's I, I don't just put it all on them and say, you know, you don't have any hope. Uh, it, you got to just take off and, and start running. I mean, you got to take baby steps to get your life back, and that's what they're in the shelter gives them that, that space 
my job is to help them figure out what's going to happen after they leave that that shelter space. Well, I'll tell you, it, it like I said, it's a blessing for you to do it. I know you get a blessing from it, and it's certainly a blessing for them to have a man like you come in and say, here's another way to look at things. Here's a, a path that you can get on, and um, and you know, being a victim is, is not part of your path. It doesn't have to be. And thank you for doing that. I don't know if you know this, but I worked in the prevention of domestic violence realm for 20 years myself as a volunteer. And um, I've spoken in New York about it, and uh, I've done lots and lots of stuff. And I know that it is a... Um, it's a hard place to be. Matter of fact, I've I've been a uh, a person that had domestic violence in in my marriage, so a long time ago. So it's thank you for doing it. I just want to say that straight up, thank you, because it makes a difference, and and you know that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I I see. I I don't ever. I answer emails from people. I do between 450 and 650 emails every day, and I will get questions from people. But they'll they'll see me, and they say, "Oh, hi, Tom." And I don't I don't remember them. I deliberately I don't want any path so somebody could come through me to get back to them, and uh, so I don't re- remember people's names. I I mean I'm just a, I'm just a person that that helps them. And I don't want any any way that after they leave the shelter that that they go back, you know, and and so the I predators do. Mm-hmm. can get right. back. That's a that's a huge problem that that ladies, especially ladies, uh, don't realize that they're going to get. And I I try to point that out to them. And you know, all we can do is help them get on a good path. But um, you know, and and I like I say, the majority of them really do. Figure it out. I'm, I'm working with a, uh, a lady now that's from Japan, and um, she, she has so much talent and ability. But the predators beat them down so bad, and it's not just—it's not all just physical. I mean, it's physical and mental, and they take away all their power. And so this lady thought she had no no way to to function you know how is she going to raise her daughter and all this stuff and i mean we just talked it out and she had the answers she just didn't know it was okay for her to be as strong as she really is you know so that's 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 the good part of of that that part of my life i i've been doing it for about three years well, Tom, I know that you're affecting these people in a very positive way, and another uh, another group that you work with and affect in a very positive way is autistic uh, young people. And I, I know that you have them out there at your country club, and you put them through a little few golf drills, and they start to have a good time and hopefully come out of their shells. Tell us a little bit about your work with autism. Well, um, I was very fortunate to, to not have that in my family, but my very dear friend had uh, twins that uh, were in the were uh, on the spectrum. And when I got to see how she just the mom just worked with these these twins, a boy and a girl, and fixed it so they now have real lives. I mean, I mean they're they're very very well. They they went from not knowing whether they could get through high school to coming out of high school. They came over here to Peoria High School, which, I mean, to uh, Centennial High School. And and they they were very, almost unable to, to go to school because of California schools. They came over here, and they have anti-bullying. They, the kids just blossomed over here. And they wound up getting full-ride scholarships to University of Arizona, they graduated. Now they're on their uh, program to get their master's degree. The boy who they had very low growth or, or possibilities, he's now highly qualified to teach uh, special needs kids, and that's that's where he's working on his master's degree to get. So that's how I got involved with it, by seeing 
that you can actually help somebody, that you can actually, no, it might be difficult, but you can actually get them and help them connect the dots so their brains can really function in a in a normal path. It's uh, very, very heartwarming. Now, out here at the club, we get people to um, bring their kids. I have groups of 10, and we have them come out, and they'll be... Uh, we put them through hand-eye coordination type of things. It's golf-related, and we will have a target. And then when the kids first showed up, and they go through four one-hour classes for a month, and the every Saturday for a month they'll come out. And at first we had this big target, uh, and they would, it's Velcro, and they throw a tennis ball, and it would stick. At first the kids had about... 50 or 60 balls that were on the ground and maybe one somewhere on the target. And when they left, that target was full. Not one ball was anywhere else. And we moved them from that actually to where the final day they were hitting golf balls out on my driving range. And just to see that happen was just amazing. Well, that's... uh that takes a lot of patience, doesn't it, Tom, to to work with these young people? I mean, because they have uh, right there before your very eyes. I imagine they would have mood swings and and whatever else uh, might might take over at some point. And it's it's just a tremendous amount of patience to to work with them, or I would imagine to be their parent. Well, it it kind of gives the parent a break. Um, so on the parent side, it. it does it gives them a break and because if you have a child that doesn't really have any aspirations doesn't isn't looking forward doesn't have social skills now here you put these kids together and what at first I I had it so that the parents sat up on my my patio and didn't interface with the kids at all they just sat there and watched what we were doing so they could but they weren't part of it now I have the parents be there because sometimes the kids will have a have an issue, and uh, the parent can discipline them. Then that way, my golf personnel don't have to discipline them. And I do. I've had people help us with the program, so we have volunteers here, and I've had program looked at um, by special needs teachers, so that uh, we always are are prepared that way. But the kids actually get so much out of it because they're actually learning to socialize because they have to interrelate with the other kids. They have to take turns. They have definite instructions, and they have to follow it exactly because it's golf. So we're teaching life lessons from golf to autistic kids. And it's not like you expect them to come out and hit a golf ball 300 yards and be Tiger Woods. That's not the point. The point is getting them so they feel good about themselves, so they've accomplished something. But you don't compliment them because they tried. We only compliment them when they actually accomplish something. So try, okay, you missed it. Here, try it again. You missed it. Here, try it again. Oh, you did it. You you see what I'm getting at? It, It actually gives them a sense of that they actually did something that they couldn't do before. And it's just like hitting this target, throwing, do they throw with their right hand or do they throw with their left hand, and how do you figure out what's better for them. And just these little things, and then the parents, the the uplift for me is that parents are right and say, my son had nothing, I couldn't get him to do anything. I tried to get him to go to the to the autistic program and at first he was okay we was going to do something about golf and then he didn't want the day of it she had to drag him here and she said after the first day he was talking about it all week can we go can we go can we go you're you're going to take me you're going to take me so that's that's the thing where you give them something that they can actually do and we teach them out here at a country club they they're out here in our practice area and they're just inter- interrelating with a lot of other adult people that are going about their their golf activities here at the club. 
and uh, it just integrates them so that they can feel calm and uh, they're and it's very enjoyable for them. But I think this year we're going to probably have. I've been doing it once a year for the last three years, and this year I think uh, probably in June we'll have a, another one, and then I'll probably have one early in the fall. I I think Pete has a question about yeah. um, that, and then I want to go back to something that I heard you say that reminds me of something in your book about your dad. So um, let Pete ask his question about this, and then we'll come back to uh, Yeah, Tom, the, the whole thing, imagine when, when you see that these uh, these young people uh, hit the golf ball, or, or they, if, if they just move it a little bit off the tee even, I imagine you see a real. They see a real sense of accomplishment, and and you can actually see that in them that they have accomplished something, and they recognize it as being an accomplishment for them. And I imagine that goes a long way to to further the program and further the uh, development. Oh, a- a- absolutely. I mean, you can. I mean, kids don't don't hide their their feelings. I mean, that's that's not what a kid does, and. Whether you're on the spectrum or you're you're not doesn't matter. I mean, it's the same feelings, it's the same emotions that all people have, and when they actually get to do something, and some of the kids are not coordinated. Why? Because they're not doing anything to get them coordinated. You know, so that's the whole point of what I'm trying to say is that they're actually doing something and getting their their uh, you know whether they're they're learning to throw something eye-hand coordination, they have to hit a target. Whether Then we start out with, with, the, uh, with the golf club. It's a big, giant golf club. It looks like a clown club. It's just big and it's very colorful. And so they'll hit a tennis ball or even a, a, a large, like almost a soccer ball, and they, they learn to hit that. And then we keep lowering the, the size of the ball down, and we give them a smaller club until they finally get down to a real golf court, a real golf club, and a real golf ball. And when you see these little kids, they they're not hitting it 300 yards. So don't don't misunderstand. We're not. That's not what we're doing. But they hit it far enough that they are amazed and happy. And that's you. You just can't you can't buy that. That's. That's just golden stuff in your life. Well, now, the first two things we've talked about has been Eve's place and your work there and your work with the autistic children. And there's one thing that seems to be running as a common thread through both of them, and that's people finding a sense of accomplishment and being able to say, look, I really did this. And uh, I'm wondering if that is part of the uh, part of the allure, if you will, of you're working with these programs because you can help people realize this sense of accomplishment. Uh, well, absolutely. See, I mean, I'm I'm basically a very lazy person, so I mean, I I have no problem laying right down next to work and going to sleep. So, I but I found things that if I don't call it work, I really enjoy it. So it's that's why I wrote the book. I wrote the book to help my kids to to see. Their dad's kind of weird because this is all he likes to do, and he likes to keep working. Well, they don't necessarily want to put in the same hours I do. Well, it's it's totally okay. It's knowing that you're in charge of your outcome. It's not they. It's not you either get what you want or you get to keep your excuses, and that's really what, what I try to put out. Well, with, with the idea of, looking at the book and saying, well, what it, what is it actually that we're trying to teach? In Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which is where I got started, uh, I think over 10 million people got started with that. It's a wonderful book. But he he only talks about making money. So a lot of the times that I would set up myself to do things to make money, because that was my goal, and then I would quit when I made that much money and I found out that I didn't enjoy that downtime. I, I wanted to do something else. So I constantly do that. Well now I I don't have a monetary goal anymore. I I wanna build my net worth but I don't want to make a lot of cash 
because that's taxable and growing your net worth is not. So that's just that's just a different different way of looking at stuff. But getting the things that you want, if you if you get to a point in your life where your money is working for you and you can hold your expenses down so you don't need this constant flow of more money, more money. I got to get more money. I need a I got a job for 50,000. I need a job for 100. It doesn't matter. Most people spend 60% of their income on their lifestyle. They spend 30% on their uh on taxes. And they'll spend that leaves them with 10. So that's uh, about three percent of for savings and about seven percent for insurance, and that's kind of cut up. But it doesn't matter if you make twenty-five thousand a year or six hundred thousand dollars a year. You're still going to spend. People just spend more than a lot of them spend more than they make. So that throws out the idea of that. So uh, I try to get people to figure out where in your life is enough enough. And how do you have balance so that, okay, I got this much money and I'm going to live this many years. Well, I figured out my life so that if I lived to be 200, I could still earn enough money to to keep feeding myself and my wife. And that's all I care about. So, you know, if you can just have your expenses down to a place where, where life is enjoyable and you're getting out, you're putting in, more than you're taking out, life is is very well balanced, and that's that's what I'm striving for, and that's what I try to teach people to do. Didn't your dad kind of um, in, invite you to write a business plan almost for your life when you were about 18 years old? Didn't he didn't he want you to figure out what you know what you wanted to do and and kind of set you on this kind of path to um, to, to success and and rolling successes? Uh, my 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 dad and mom were were wonderful parents. Uh, of course, I I found out that when I went in the army. Uh, well, uh, put it this way: when I was when I was sixteen, I did some things that were not were very untoward, and my dad disapproved of them highly. And he said, uh, "You know, stick your feet under someone else's table when you're eighteen. You're out." So. Because I was different than my brother. My brother was very studious, a uh, high intellect person, and he and he worked hard and he was driven. So I was a project child, and you know. So my my dad told me when I was eleven that by the time I was eleven and a half, I'd have to have three different um, things, occupations that I would want to do. He said because in the old country in Germany. When you were 12, you were put into a, a career path. You were set out as an apprentice. So whatever you were going to do at 12, that's when you would start gathering data to how you were going to be a, a be per, proficient in in your life. And so I came up with I wanted at 11 and a half. I had to have three things. I had priest, a cowboy, and a carpenter. And so by 12, I had to come up with what was it I was going to do. And so I he took me to those. I, I was an altar boy, so I went and, and checked out priest, and I didn't like wine, so I wasn't going there. And so, <laughs> I mean, what what do you know when you're 12, right? So then I went over to the, the other side, which was uh, cowboy, and I found out that that's not so much fun. The horses are can, can be a little be critters, which is what they are. And uh, so he took me and introduced me to a uh, craftsman carpenter that was about 70 years old, and he was taught in the old country how to how to build furniture, cabinet maker, and uh, I didn't want to do cabinets, but I wanted to do uh, construction. So um, my dad, by the time I was 18, I was in the union and uh, learning to to do construction work, so that I was very fortunate to have a dad that understood me uh, enough, more than I understood myself. I could say it that way. I love that story. <clears throat> the reason I love that story is because I think that it um, 
it is it would be a great story for a lot more parents to um, maybe think about in terms of incorporating it with their own kids. I'm not saying everybody has to do it, but they could certainly think about it and say, okay, this is a great way to um, to help somebody get on a path of some kind rather than having as many kids as there are right now that are what do they call the boomerang children that come back when they're 30, you know, to live at home and <laughs> they can't they can't figure out what they're doing and they they don't have that personal responsibility um, aspect in their in their thinking at all. It, it's it, I, I have to tell you that's exactly right, um, and I have several people that have bought my books and so when when somebody buys a book from me, they can go on my website successorfailure.org and they can they can look at the book they can buy it online the money that i make from the book other than the cost of of the production of it and the, keeping the website and stuff um all that money goes to the to uh help autistic kids so that's the purpose of the sales and why i'm trying to promote the sales of the book but uh i and this just happened yesterday. I was mentoring a person. If you buy the book, then I will actually give you an hour or two uh, personal conversation and uh, almost unlimited by email. So if you, but you, I make you do work. So if if you'll do the work, if you'll do a business plan, if you do stuff like that, I mentor people on that. So that that's never never a problem. But this one lady, Amy, she said that. She has, she's homeschooling her kids, so she's very interested in, in some of the things that I did in the book. And she said that she wanted to know how that would work with, with her son. And I said, well, you just have to, you have to give them the idea because, and, and she said her son said, well, I just want to be a, a, a graphic designer. He, so he, he's like 11, and he already knows what he wants to do. So those are just uh points that you know each kid is is different i mean and that's what my dad saw in me is he had a perfect way to teach me whereas with my brother he just he he was like on autopilot and you know he was very smart and very driven to get high grades and i was very driven to go uh play with the girls <laughs> I want to remind everybody you're listening to the Boomer the Babe Show uh, with Pete Peters and Deborah Brown, and we're talking to Tom Leggering, uh, raconteur, bon vivant, man about town, and uh, and a volunteer extraordinaire. And uh, we want to get into the next thing you're uh, doing here on your list, Tom, and that's your new project, which is golf in public schools. Uh, please tell us how that uh, came along. And I understand you have a gentleman with you there in uh uh, from where you're calling in, uh, Mr. Kerry Thiegel, I think you, uh, you said. Thiel. 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 I'm sorry. Uh, and I understand he's working with you in this uh, golf in public schools or GPS project. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and, and where that stands right now? Yeah, I'll, I'll just introduce it. And, and the we've actually started, I, I came up with the ideas about nine or ten months ago uh, as I said, I'm on the Peoria Education Foundation, and I see they they're trying to have events to raise money so they can give scholarships. Well, I did some research and I found out that there's hundred million dollars of scholarships that go unapplied for every year. There's in that's generally there's about three and a half billion dollars of scholarships given every year. But a hundred million does not go applied for, and so I'm thinking, well, how can we tie that in with what I'm doing here at the club, and you know, so I I don't get outside of what I know how to do, and we came up with it's called uh, GPS, it's golf program in schools because I couldn't get the other name, so that that was taken, I guess. So anyway, we're we're signed up as a nonprofit LLC here in Arizona, and we've applied to the federal government to get nonprofit status. But uh, the goal is to be able to bring a program to the public schools 
or schools in general, um, that is no cost to the school and no cost to the student. So, and that's uh, what Carrie and I have been here since eight o'clock this morning, going over some of my my ideas and some of the, his ideas, and we're trying to merge them to to actually have. We've got a program in effect. We're teaching. We our first time. Our first, very first class, inaugural class, was at uh, Peoria High School last Monday. And um, next week is uh, spring break, so we won't have a class then. But then we're going to go nine weeks. What we get is uh, 70 students, uh, 43 girls and 27 boys in the gym, and we're teaching them uh, the fundamentals of golf, but we're not. Our goal is not to make them golfers, not to make them PGA professionals. There's other groups that do that. What we want to do is be able to find kids and give them opportunities that they may never have gotten if they didn't go through our program. So what the goal is is to teach them golf's life, life lessons. So when we went to the first class, we just... Introduce golf and show them some different things. We're in a gym. We use wiffle balls. It, we're very safety conscious. They hit off of mats. Um, they're inside, so there's there's and and we have PGA professionals doing the teaching. It's not just volunteers. We're trying to do this first class and get the proper information out to the people so that what. What we're going to have is this nine-week class, but in May the 4th, which is a Monday, the school is going to bus students over to our country club, and we're going to put them through five different stations here. They'll be, they'll, there's 104 students. They'll be divided up into um, groups of, of uh, 21, and then we'll just move them through these five stations so the kids will get numbers one to five, and their group will go, they'll be out on the driving range learning that, being taught how to actually hit and have balls to be hitting in a regular driving range. Then there will be another group taught by another PGA professional that will have uh, be shown how to use irons. The third group will be on the putting surface, and they'll be going through a putting class. The fourth group will go through um, the chipping. And then the fifth group, will be uh, up on my patio in the shade. And what we'll be doing is I'm going to be talking to them about golf's life skills, social skills. What we're trying to do is fit in with the school. Peoria Unified School District has a, a mission statement to provide each student with an excellent education. That includes the academic and here's the part that we're trying to fulfill. Life and social skills to become a productive and responsible citizen. And that's what we're going to try to do. We're adding that segment, that framework into it. So when the kids are going through the fifth station, which is on the patio, I will have members, I will have people in the golf community, I will have uh, my superintendent. I will have my uh, my general manager, and we will all have a few minutes to talk about how opportunities of life-changing proportions that have happened, and opportunities that have happened for people like one gentleman that Bob Doyle, who's from uh, PGA National, uh, was at our first meeting, and he mentioned his son got his first job out of college because he was on the college golf team. When the person was reading his resume and called him, said, did a phone interview, had him come in, and the son was kind of surprised that it was that quick. So he went in and talked to the gentleman, and the gentleman said, I just want to verify, did you, were you on the golf team? Did Was this, you know, verified the, the things he put on his resume about golf. And he said he didn't talk to him about his his business. He 
that I see your academic stuff here, skipped right over that, just went into golf things. Well, it turned out that they have a group of, of that work at their company that invite future clients and present clients to play golf. And so his job was to entertain and play golf with these guys and to actually beat them, not let them, not let them, you know, you know, play play golf to 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 uh, the way it's supposed to be played. And with that, he figured it out that he got hired just because he had learned and been on a golf team. He knew what was supposed to happen. He knew how to play in tournaments. He had that life experience. He had traveled. He'd done so many things that other people don't don't allow themselves to do. They're not exposed to it. And as most people know, golf is is kind of fading. But if you look at society, I think society is kind of fading away. But they finally figured it out that, well, one of the things like Peoria Schools is looking at four-day school weeks. And there's all kinds of of money problems here in Arizona with the school systems. They all don't have enough money. But Peoria schools, I mean, that their superintendent of schools uh, just got the uh, honor of uh, superintendent of the year. They have a great program. I've gone to several of their their uh, their outstanding uh, tours where we meet the students and see what's going on. They're really giving them a good education. But they don't have the program that we're going to put together, and we are putting it together. It's uh, this is I told them when I started. It's a pilot program. I don't have all the bugs worked out of it, but I work out things and I show them the lesson plan. And our goal is to actually teach our one. There's four freshman class. There's 700 freshman students, and we're teaching uh, 70 of them but we're getting 104 to come out because other kids wanted to be part of golf and uh they were they felt bad because they didn't their class wasn't going to be taught by PGA professionals but we're going to put the lesson plan together so that the teacher the PE teacher will be able to uh put that program together for the kids and then we'll work with with that the PE teacher to make they have all the backup and resources they need to uh, to keep our program going. So we're we're the Sun City Country Club is funding it. Uh, we're the sponsor. We're naturally looking for other sponsors, but right now we're funding this as a pilot program, and it's it's a program that I think needs to be all over the country. Well, I'll tell you what I think uh, about it, Tom, is that. Um, I believe that the student-athlete life, you know, if a person can be a student-athlete, it changes everything. It keeps them out of trouble. It gives them those life skills and social skills that they might not get um, if they're not part of a team, like you were talking about, uh, those people that that were um, able to travel on a golf team and all that. Uh, Pete's daughter, who um, was an amazing softball player when I met them, uh, years ago, she was almost 12 years old, I think, at the time. And oh my gosh, you know, her whole softball career was the best thing that um, it saved her. Matter of fact, we talked about it. She's going to be 40 years old this year, and we've talked about it since. That if she had not been playing ball, she, no telling what would have been going on in her life. I'll tell you. So this is great that you can create a new uh, place for people to to have that experience. Well, see, there were the the thing that's different about our program is there's there's a first tee. They're in six thousand schools all over the country. They're a very big organization, but and and they only started in in like nineteen ninety eight. So they're like twenty years old. It's not as long as golf has been around. But what they their primary thing is to teach them the life lessons, but they're looking for the better golfers. They're looking for the club golfers. They're looking for the kids that can actually. In fact, they're they're very proud of the fact they got their first first tee 
person that has his PGA card. So they're very and and they're helping uh, ladies and, and and young boys too. So they're they're very into that. My program is a little bit different. Is I am looking for the kids that have talent because the school that I I selected has an agronomy class. They have a, a, a golf tee because they're teaching the kids from Future Farmers of America program and how to do those kind of things. So I was looking, how can I use the systems that the school's already doing and be able to come, you know, add to it, complement that. So by getting the, the students to be able to see all the life advantages of golf, golf is the only sport that has no referee. You do not play. I do not play against you. I play against the course. It's me against the course. It's how do I get a, a better score? How do I do risk management? How do I take shots? And how does that affect the individual's life so that they can see different things? So my program, our program, is to be able to give the kids an opportunity to see some life skills, some social skills, if they if they do have talent to be a golfer to be to get a scholarship then there's a golf team and I work with the golf coaches there's a boy and girl uh boys and girls uh golf coach if there's students that do have more talent and ability we'll just upscale them into that and then from that into first tee and that that way we'll complement what's going on. But my program is more for all of the kids. How do we help all of the kids? How do we let them be introduced to golf and golf's life lessons? And then we go back to the jobs that are in it. There's 22 jobs available, job and career paths in golf. That includes the restaurant business and all the things that are available there because that's all part of golf. Uh, Then you go into scholarships, and I started to to talk about that. There were 1,600 boy and girl scholarships for Division I schools. That's the top colleges in the country. 200, that's 72,500 dollar value full ride four year scholarship that went unapplied for for girls mm. unapplied for people save money there's a federal program that you can put money aside so your kid can go to school you take them over here to Sun City Country Club and they can go through our five dollar clinic once a week we have a one hour with a pro for five dollars and Kids can come over here and learn the game and learn some of the the life lessons, but that's what we're trying to do with this program. We're trying to get the kids to to see this is I'm 76. I in fact at 11 o'clock or 11:30 I'm I'm going to be out playing golf. No, one o'clock today. So uh, I'm I'm playing golf in a in a mixer. So it's it's a sport you get to play your whole life. But it's not just playing the sport. It's the camaraderie that you get from it. It's knowing different people. It's being able to to, to speak to people. Every time you go up to the first tee, when you're just you're introduced, say you, you never played a golf course before and you're just a single, you go up and then there's three other people. You introduce yourself. You look them in the eye. You shake hands. You talk a little bit. Then... You you start your game. When the game's over, no matter who wins or who loses or whatever, you lost every golf ball you have in your in your bag. Doesn't matter. At the end, everybody looks each other in the eye, shakes hands, and thanks them for the great game. That's that's something that I do not see in general in schools. Now I have to say that when I went to Peoria's Unified School District schools. The quality of the students and the teachers is just unsurpassed by anything I've ever seen. Now I came out of Catholic schools, and there there was forty kids in a in a row, and we didn't even talk. 
you know, I mean, unless you want to do, you know, do time after after class. <laughs> so, well, so. I want to thank you for um, for clarifying your program because it sounds better the way you explained it in this part of this conversation. It sounds even better to me than it did before. I was excited a minute ago. I am triply excited now because it's way better than I thought you were talking about. So I can't wait to actually see see this actually unfold for you because, yes, I get it. And um, I actually had the privilege of doing a um, a golf class for women years ago that was put on by a, uh, a friend of mine. It was several nights of uh, instruction about how to um, be on a golf course so that I wasn't embarrassed, you know, because I didn't know you're, you're supposed to walk smartly off the green and you're supposed to, you know, move along and all the etiquette things that who's going to tell you, you know, who's going to tell right. you that that's how it's supposed to be. And then kind of a, the other part of what you're talking about, look people in the eye and just that, that's those, um, those things that make you more confident. And this is another piece of what's in your program is that confidence. And I love this. So congratulations on that. Awesome. Thank you. you. I mean, that's you seventy-six-year-old, you seventy-six-year-old wild man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to ride my bike probably this summer. I go back and do my uh, trip through all 48 states and up to Alaska and back in about 18 to 20 days. So, I'm I am going to plan to take some time off this summer. That's yeah. not called time out. Uh, time off. <laughs> Sorry, that's not time off. <laughs> that's time on time. my motorcycle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tom, Tom, let me tell you, I, I've quit jobs that were easier than riding that bike <laughs> through 48 states. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, we've got another gentleman, like uh, we, meant, we we alluded to this gentleman earlier, and he's working with you on the golf program. Why don't you quickly introduce him and uh, and what he's doing and how you guys are working together? And then I also have one other question. Uh, I, I believe that Dr. Terry Munther is also involved in, in this program. Is that not not the case? Absolutely. Um Dr Dr. Munther was um he's retired now but he he still slides back to work because uh he's so talented. He's a, a former superintendent of schools uh from Washington State and he won numerous awards. Uh I know when when I have him go out and talk to me he, he works with me on my book and when we go out and teach in colleges, uh, they all try to hire him. I said, get away from my friend. <laughs> He's trying to retire. So, But Terry's uh, really helping us out with some of the academic things of how you how you get into the schools. Because I'm a business person, and sometimes things don't make sense to me, um, and I want to do it this way. Well, you have to... You have to look at the big picture, as it were. So, and then uh, Carrie and I are um, have met through. He, Carrie's helped me with uh, my autistic uh, program, and he actually comes out and volunteers and puts in time. I mean, his main business is is selling real estate listings and selling houses here in this area, but he's also very uh, interested in making sure that. There's a program that helps the kids and the families in our in our area. So I'll let Terry Terry talk now, and uh, I'll shut yeah. up for a minute. <laughs> okay, thank you. Um, <clears throat> what uh, what kind of drew me to um, this particular project was a couple of things. One, uh, the opportunity to work with Tom. Tom is a very creative individual. Very business savvy and that sort of thing, and I and I really appreciate his insight to that sort of thing. But the other thing that drew me to this, when he first told me about the program, um, it wasn't, and the way he presented it wasn't necessarily, like he said, to teach the kids how to play golf, but it was to also incorporate the, the learnings in golf in life situations. And I'm a strong believer in in using sports to teach people about life life lessons. Um, I, I've been involved with youth sports for a long time. I raised three boys, so you can imagine, you know, we're uh, all over the board in terms of, of uh, sports. My, my, my kids played 
sports all through uh, uh, high school and college and so forth. So, and, and I've always believed that every sports situation, every sports game has life lessons in it. In fact, you know, I can draw up a baseball game and show you, you know, from, from beginning to end all kinds of different uh, life lessons and that sort of thing. So I really appreciated that. And and when he talked about incorporating that into this uh, golf program, it really drew my attention. And we had our first session on Monday. And if you can imagine, one of the classes, the boy class, was being conducted by a substitute teacher. Uh, this particular ha uh, class had different substitute teachers for about a, a week and a half. And so you can imagine how they were in in this session. And when we have an introduction like this, there was a lot of discussion going on, a lot of introductions and so forth. So it was quite boring for some of the kids. And, you know, I noticed that probably maybe half of them weren't paying attention. They were talking to each other and that sort of thing. And then we finally got the clubs in their hands. And it, it just completely turned everything around. They were very attentive. They were asking questions, and they were pretty excited about it. So that in itself, on the very first day, I think was, was rewarding to me to, to realize that this is going to be a great program for these guys. Uh, we also talked to one of the, the uh, instructors, and I asked her, uh, how many kids in the class have ever had you know anything to do with golf, even a club in, a hand, in their hands and so forth? And she said probably 50%. So the other 50% had never been near a golf club or, or anything like that. And now, you know, that 50% has had that experience. And not only that, they're actually going to be on a golf course. So I think that's, that's kind of proves that, you know, that, that this, this whole program is going to be successful. I'm really looking forward to it. It's absolutely necessary. That's what I found out from seeing the, the way the kids took to it. Because at first, oh, golf. But... Now, and that's not all of them, but, I mean, you know, you, the, the boys, because of their, their teachers wasn't, wasn't consistent, now they have a very consistent teacher, and he's kind of keeping things the way it's supposed to go. And you've got to remember this is uh, their P.E. class. We're, we're into their P.E. class. So, uh, and then you're talking to everybody. This is not a group of kids that have the interest in golf or what has happened is just from that first class, and like I say, we had 70 students, but guess what? We're having 104 students come here on the buses because there's four classes. There's 700 freshmen over there, and other ones wanted to come here too. They wanted, we want to go on that. So apparently, and I don't know the, the whole story of it, I just know, I just found out that we could have this thing the, a day and a half ago. So I'm still floating on a cloud that, because we'll be able to put this program together. And so that's why when I told you about the five stations, I've, I didn't get much sleep last night because that's what I was working on. So this is a very brand new program. I told the school when I went over there. We talked to the uh, the athletic director at Peoria High School. His name is Phil Camacho. Very, very nice gentleman that is in charge of their sports and making sure that the kids are all squared away and and really get as much out of it as they can and. Um, did I read that, that that part about this? Yeah, I, I read that. Yeah, the the idea is that that the school is so much behind this kind of a program, and you know, as I said, their 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 Arizona schools are just getting hammered because of money, and uh, that the job that they're that this school is doing is just Im very impressive, and then. Just watching the the kids, and like I say, I'm not talking about 100% of the kids were just, oh boy, I can't wait to my next class. But there was no no back talk to it, I guess. Or I can I can remember being in school and something I didn't like. I didn't mind mentioning that I didn't like it. So <laughs> you know, so and I, I'm sure these kids are the same way. So it, we're 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 seeing that what 
what I perceived as a need actually is a need. And the way we're, we plan to fit in with the other types of programs that are around the country, uh, I think with the, with the first tee and some of the junior golf and things like that, where we can help the kids be introduced and then know if they have the idea they want to be on a career path and get a scholarship, we can introduce them to the other places that they can go and get more help. They can also be able to, we will have special programs. Everybody that's going to go through our program that actually completes it and learns the things that we're, we're setting up for them, they'll get a certificate, and that allows them to be part of our group, and then they will come over here, and in the summertime they will be able to use our golf driving range free. So we're, we're setting up some things to encourage them to, uh, to look at golf as, as a place to change their lives and to have things in their lives that they really want. Well, as we're wrapping this up uh, for today, Tom, uh, I, I, I understand and I, I, I realize that central in this whole conversation about your public schools efforts and your autistic efforts uh, is Sun City Country Club. This is the, well, I guess you could say the linchpin that holds a lot of this together and where a lot of this activity is focused. Uh, and I know also that you have various projects and specials and, and things that you do to promote golf through the, the long, hot summer months here in Arizona. So why don't you give us a lowdown on what's coming up for the summer and uh, what your plans are for that, and then we'll wrap this up uh, uh, until another day. Okay. We're, we're, what we're always looking for is uh, in, in golf as a, as a course operator, and as a business person, what I look for is to be able to, I'm competing with people's uh, recreation dollars. It's, it's not a need. And uh, what I look at is the experience. I, I try to sell value, I guess what it is. And value equals the experience minus the price. So we try to keep our prices very, very reasonable. Um, the goal here is uh, the way we're, our family set up is we want to run this as a sustainable operation. We're constantly trying to improve the course. It's all tree-lined. That means that in the summer when it's 110, it's really only 85, 95 in the shade, right? So <laughs> it's, it's about 15 degrees cooler, and there's a lot of shade. And, Pete, you've played here before. You know there's a lot of trees. You know, I think you met some of them personally. So. Oh, I, I, I have my name on a few of them, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Written in golf ball. And, uh, but we're, what we're doing is we're, we're – our golf course is actually the best condition of the whole year is in the summer. And so we're, we're looking to get the kids to come out in the summertime, and, and we do have extra space there. So uh, if there's groups – that want to come out and have uh, fundraisers and things like that. Not a lot of people think about having fundraisers in the summertime, but we're encouraging that because we do have the best prices so that uh, clubs and nonprofits can raise more money because we don't have to charge as much in the summertime. So we're, we're trying to promote those kind of activities. Then we have... Like we have programs for ladies, uh, people that have played golf in the past and not playing now or have never even had a club in their hands. We have a uh, a putting club, and the ladies come out and get uh, professional uh, putting instructions from a PGA professional, and then they go sit on the patio and have a glass of wine and chat about it. So we're trying to we're trying to do things or make opportunities for people to enjoy uh, this. Whether And we're in Sun City. We're Sun City Country Club. But the, the fact is we're open to the public, uh, and we do have a restaurant, restaurant facilities. That's Mr. Z's 19 Hole. And uh, he has his own business. He's a lease E in that business. And so we have dining facilities. We have golf facilities. Uh, it's it's really, and we try to keep our, we try to keep value 
because we know especially people with, that are raising kids, they don't have a lot of excess funds. Um, but golf is such an important part of their life that we're trying to make that very much available to them. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us this morning on the Boomer and the Babe Show. And also, Carrie, I'd like to thank you for uh, being there and also giving input from your viewpoint on this. And uh, we want to wish both of you fellows continued success. Tom, I know you've got a lot of things going. You still have a lot of irons in the fire. And uh, good luck with all of it. And uh, enjoy your iron butt ride this this summer. <laughs> I, I certainly will. Okay. Thanks again, folks. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye, Thank you so Bye, much. Pete. This has been the Boomer and the Babe Show, and we'll be back again next week on Tuesday and Friday with more conversation with interesting people. Until then, have a great weekend, everybody, and we will talk to you next week. You've been listening to the Boomer and the Babe Show with hosts Pete Peters and Deborah Brown. The Boomer and the Babe Show is broadcast live on Tuesdays and Fridays. For a schedule of these shows and other shows produced by the Boomer and the Babe Radio Network, go to boomerandthebabe.com.